Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I am your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 13 with my friend, Brian. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Um, we have a bunch of good stuff going on, and I want to thank you guys so much for sending us your ratings on the Apple Podcast app and all of the messages I've received from everybody reaching out this last week. Thank you so much. I'm glad this podcast is reaching people in a way that is beneficial and potentially changing lives. That's that's the end game. I wanted to read a couple of the reviews that we have in, in Apple Podcast. My favorite one so far <laughs> is titled Jeff. I'm assuming it's on Jeff's episode. It is called, well, no, it's called Jeff. It says, love the podcast in Jeff. I love that guy. Would love to be considered as an potential podcast. Now, this is from Eddie Glenn 7786. I don't think English is Eddie Glenn's first language or he reviewed it when he was drunk, but either way, I love it. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening or thank you, woman. I don't know. I'm assuming Eddie Glenn is a man, but who knows? Uh, and then this next review is from my most recent episode, I believe, um, Stephanie and Stephanie says, Justin Lamb, it was such an honor to be interviewed by you. Although I wasn't expecting the hard hitting questions you posed, it was a cathartic yet invigorating experience. Great job. I try not to blindside people with stuff. Uh, I will have, you know, you guys, I ask everybody before every podcast, if there's any off limits stuff they don't want to talk about because the last thing I want to do is make someone uncomfortable and then like drill them like they're on dateline for murder. Not my goal. <laughs> and I think that will be apparent in another episode here, which is this one, which is episode 13 with Brian. Brian's mother is a Southern Baptist from Alabama and Brian's father is Iranian and um, just came to the country not long before marrying Brian's mother had to learn English and the whole nine yards. Uh, he's passed on now, and Brian tells me about his his dad's funeral in Iran, which is uh, a wild ride, wild experience to listen to about. Um, maybe I'll see one one day. Who knows? But I'm sure you'll love that. Brian is the founder of the brand Techno Snob. Talk about that at the end, and you can check that out online. Until then, check us out online at Facebook and Instagram uh, at Friend Request Pod, and on Twitter at Friend Request JL. Without further ado, this is my friend Brian. Know you? Okay. I haven't seen you in almost twenty years. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I knew you in high school. Yep. Uh, ska music, punk music. That's right. Uh, I was talking to my friend. I don't know if you remember him, Adam Stankus. He, uh, I was like, do you remember Brian Agamowale? And he's like, why does that name sound familiar? I was like, ska. And he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah trumpet Um, player so yeah that's and you're i think a couple years older than me one year two year uh i'm 38 yeah you're a couple years older you got two years on me my year in clarkson was 99 you're one that was the one year no well no my graduating year. oh i was like you only went to clarkson for one year no i just knew you that one year no 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 no. (laughs) yeah okay that makes sense where was your graduating year oh one oh one yeah 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 99 yeah yeah, because my first year of high school was the last year in the old high school. And that's when I started hanging out with the punk rock crowd. <laughs> so, hanging out in that front, I don't know, you call it a courtyard. Sidewalk with trees on it. <laughs> the commons? I don't, yeah. I don't know what it was called. Whatever it was. Uh, but I haven't talked to you since then. <laughs> and I bumped into you at Kroger. And uh, I know yeah. you have a kid. Uh, I do. You do jujitsu. I, I do, which I'm excited to hear about. <laughs> um, and I guess other than that, I'm gonna. I would like to find out. You know, the last 20 years, uh, what you've been up to. But before we do that, all right, let's go back in time further. Let's go. You're born. Uh, do you, Do you have any siblings? <laughs> yeah, I got a little brother. Okay. His name's Barzine. Oh, you know what? I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. He's eight years younger than me, though. That's a that is a large deficit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, makes for a fun. Maybe I didn't know that because he wouldn't even he wouldn't have been in school that I when mm-hmm. I was in school. More than six, and he's yeah. So, so you're the only child for the first eight years. There are eight magical years. Loving that. Loved it. <laughs> what did your parents do when you were born? Uh, as in jobs? Yeah. Uh, dad was in school most of the time. Mom drove a bus in Bay City. What did uh? What did your dad go to school for? Uh, sound 
navigation. I I, I don't really like know what his degree is. Okay. Well, what does he do? What did he do with his degree? Uh, <laughs> I guess that doesn't necessarily he mean. He worked anything. at General Motors. Yeah. Um, he developed navigations. He worked at, in the 80s, he ended up, his first like big job was like working at Hughes, GM Hughes out in okay. California. And then there he just stayed in General Motors, did General Motors lab work, went to become an executive Stayed at GM for a while. So were you born in the 80s? Or were you born in the 80s? Yes, were you I born so. in uh, California? No, I was born in Bay City. Oh, okay. Born in Bay City. And then when I was like seven, I moved out to Cali to finally like live with my dad. Because I didn't really live with my dad. Okay. Because so he was going to college. Tell me about that dynamic. <laughs> so your parents are together then? No, at, my dad passed away. Well, at that point. They were together at that point. <laughs> yeah. And, it's a long... But he was going to school out in California. Um, Let's see. They're, they met I'm trying to piece all this together. <laughs> it's a it's an interesting story. My parents, my dad is Iranian. Okay, he left Iran before the revolution. Okay, and not because of the revolution, <laughs> because he was a hooligan and wanted to leave. Fair enough. He was smart though, so he went to college. He got into a college program, and that got him to Delta College in Saginaw. Okay, that's where my mama was. That's where they met. He did not speak English yet. Oh. Um, he had a beard and played soccer. That was enough for my mother. <laughs> it's the little things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, according to them though, you know, learning later in life, they, when they got together and married each other, it was convenient. So my dad could keep his green card. Yeah. yeah but then they fell in love and had moi. Yeah. See? Um, and then they like stayed in Bay city. Then from Delta, my dad went to, oh God, he went to western you didn't know you'd be quizzed on your parents so much <laughs> oh dude <laughs> he went to western and then he went to iit illinois institute of technology okay. and then after that he got the job in cali i gotcha and that was like the first seven years of my life i saw him but i only saw him for like periods of like a week at a time and yeah. stuff did your mom stay here when you went yeah. to cali yeah he we lived in bay city with my grandma but i'm because you said at seven, then you went to Cali. Yeah. Then we, then me and my mom moved to oh, California. Both, yeah. So yes. the whole family re, relocated to California. Zing. Yes. How long are you out there for? Till ninety. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not that not just it wasn't couple that years. Long. It was, yeah. I think three years total, yeah, yeah. something like that. And that's where they have your brother out there. Yep. That's where he spawned. How's that going from? I'm the I'm the only kid. To, what the hell's this baby doing? Dude, I'll tell you what, man. It was like cool. <laughs> Because, I, you know, when we first moved out there, I was like, yes, I finally get my dad to myself. It's all I've ever wanted. And it was like straight for about nine months. Yeah. <laughs> and then my little brother came along. Yeah. But it was cool, though. Me and my mom got closer. And one would think in an Iranian household, the oldest son would be like, this is my boy, you know. <laughs> no, dad took to the younger son. Yeah, dad get Americanized a little bit? No. No, no, no. Yes and no. Yes and no. Did but, you grow up? Was it a religious household? Well, that's a funny <laughs> dynamic in my house. Religion's always curious to me. My mom's household is Southern Baptist. They're from out there, a black family from Alabama. Okay. So that was like Sunday school, church type stuff. Yeah. My dad, obviously from the Islamic Republic, grew up in a Muslim household. Yeah. I'm not sure which one of his parents, but one of his parents leaned more Zoroastrian. What does that mean? Uh, it's the old religion of Iran, like okay. the old Persian. This thing okay. that I'm wearing. It's the, <laughs> the it's symbol like, on mine. Yeah, it's the old religion. Okay. Um, but it's more of like a philosophy stuff. Okay. Um, but my dad really didn't sway. He didn't like pray. He didn't. He went to church with my mom and stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he never did like Muslim stuff. There was no, I mean, Quran prayer rug or nah, anything. Nah, nothing like that. He taught me more of the Zoroastrian type stuff, okay. like more of the philosophy, just be a good dude type. Yeah. Type stuff. Does that still incorporate? I don't know much, but like, like the five pillars and anything like that, like from, uh, I don't know. It, okay. I mean, I, there's like the the base principle my dad gr taught me growing up was the three uh good thoughts, good deeds. Yeah. Good words. 
podcast. Three things. So, yeah, everybody should probably three, follow. Three base principles to live by, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> so other than that, like for yourself, what's uh, childhood like? I mean, normal as far as you think? Or... Sure. <laughs> Everything was, yeah, it's normal. It was normal. I went from, like, the cultural differences for me were, like, a big deal moving yeah. from place to place. Because in Bay City, I was around my black family. And Bay City is quite diverse. California, where I lived in Santa Barbara, me and my friend Al and my friend Nusha, well, who I like my cousins now, or family, um, that I grew up with out there, and like a couple people were the only non-Hispanic people around in that area. I went to a, like a, I went to Washington Elementary out there, and I swear to you, it was my memory makes me think it was a, a Spanish school, and I was taken aside to like have English lessons. That's really funny. Okay. And then I moved to Clarkston. <laughs> you were like, I'm one of nine people that aren't white here. <laughs> it was less than that. It was I moved to Andersonville and it was like me, Ron Ledwell. Moving around, it was that was pretty much it. I came, it was cultural yeah. shock when I got here. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean that's I mean we grew up in the same town, so I know that <laughs> So the the big piece of that thing for me was I moved here in nineteen ninety. So yeah. what was going on in 1990? There was a war. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was. Yes. So. <laughs> My mind immediately went to like, I don't know, I guess grunge was starting in a basement somewhere. It was. <laughs> I mean, it was. <laughs> That's not yeah, what you're talking man. about. But, rap was failing and yeah. it was starting to turn to gangster rap. Yeah. No, but uh, I moved here during the Gulf War. Yeah. So that like posed its own set of challenges like right out the gate were you like no i'm just black no. no my last name would not allow that yeah that's fair i remember the the first day i got in there to class the teacher sat me down and she goes oh what's your say your last name for me it's agamuali oh that's interesting where's it from it's iranian she goes iran that's near iraq we're at war with them right now i was like yeah Okay, they were doing that, huh? Like I'm a preteen. <laughs> like, well, I didn't really think much of it at the time. I was like, okay, yeah. well, until I hit the playground, and then you know, kids then, are kids. Yeah, all the kids' white privilege upbringing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just it was it was kids being kids, man. But that uh, that was elementary school. Middle school is fine, and then Clarkson High School, and you were there. Yeah, I was there. Um, so I wanted to ask you, cause for me, like, I, it's funny when I look back, I'm like, I didn't really know what music was till I was like 13. <laughs> cause, <laughs> uh, my parents were divorced. I lived with my mom. Oh. She listened to like Celine Dion and 93 one DRQ, <laughs> which was like LaBouche be my lover and shit like that. <laughs> uh, and then pop and the, yeah, but like real bad. 90s pop um and so i knew it really well because so it's it's great when i'm doing throwback 90s shit i'm like yeah i know all that uh but then started hanging out with chad <laughs> chad 90 90 yeah. yeah yeah okay and he was like this is nine inch nails this is corn and i was like oh, okay we rode the bu- i rode the bus with yeah. chad yeah and then uh that year our freshman year of high school is when impression that i get came out that boston's album um, oh man which is a great album i fucking love that album <laughs> oh fuck yeah man but so that and that like opened the doors and then uh you know no doubt and prodigy came out that year and so like i was i was like this is fantastic and so i started high school like i think my freshman picture i was wearing a prodigy t-shirt <laughs> my mom immediately thought i was doing drugs which yes. didn't happen for years later <laughs> um <laughs> But I, like band t-shirts and then I got to high school and I was like, and I didn't have, Chad was like my friend. Mm-hmm. That was it. And I got to high school and I was like, oh, I'm wearing band t-shirt. I have these fucking baggy jeans. All of a sudden I can hang out with these people. And then I found this like community that I didn't have any other time. Yeah, we and had that's, that at Clarkson. So that's where, I, that's where I like leaned real hard into the music. So I was like, that's the foundation of these people hanging out. And then I fell, fell in love with it. And like the misfits sealed the deal for me. <laughs> And then, because that was 20 Years of Terror Tour in 97. Oh, that was a good show. 
Harpos? No, uh, Clutch Cargos with H2O and Sick of It All. I was there. Yeah. Great show. I think all of us. A great show. Um, anyway, so that's, that's, that's where I got into that music. And I feel like it's not, you know, punk and ska in the 90s before it got much radio play. It's, something, it's not something you just like fell into, like something drove you there. So I wanted to see what drove you there. Because for me, it was, I don't have any other friends. Oh, this man. helps me fit in with this group. How do we do this? How did I get to Ska? It's like, a, it's like an interesting band, man. It was band class. Was it? Well, because, yeah, had, you play trumpet. Yeah, I play trumpet. Yeah. So, what, in middle school, I diverted from, like, the normal black youth path that I was on. You know, like, listening to hip-hop music and... Yeah. I found grunge and I was like, grunge is cool. You know, go to, go up to my family, you know, get made fun of for listening to grunge. And then I started out in band, got into high school and oh, was I trying out for jazz band or something like that? And somebody just, I, I heard some ska somewhere mm-hmm. and it was just like the Pied Piper was over here <laughs> playing something that was just amazing to me. And then I just jumped head first into the ska scene. Well, it's gotta be cool too, playing trumpet in like a high school band or a middle school band and then hearing like that's my instrument doing this which oh, is completely was. different oh my god it was too and then to be able to go to ska shows and see these guys just ripping trumpets i was yeah. just like ah! real big fish oh my god that's real tough. big fish my fa- one of my favorites was brody johnson from voodoo glow skulls dude that guy could <laughs> We're just talking rip. about voodoo glow skulls that's uh that's a funny band. <laughs> Dude, I got to hang out with those guys for a while. Did you? Like, it was the weirdest f- backstory. If Brody Johnson ever hears this, he will confirm this story. When I, I was younger, <laughs> when I was younger, I don't know how it happened, but I got, I met them and like Brody took to me and we were cool. He pulled me up on stage at Clutch Cargos and I went backstage and I got to meet Dexter Holland. I got to meet Goldfinger. Awesome. And... Every time they'd come to town, I'd hang out with Voodoo Glow Skulls for, like, a few years. That's cool. <laughs> At Warp Tour, when Voodoo Glow Skulls played Warp Tour when it was in Pontiac, yeah. I got kicked out for some dude threw a bottle behind me, and the security guard you. thought it was me. So me and my buddy got kicked out, went around to the side. Brody Johnson saw us and goes, what are you doing? I'm like, we got kicked out. He goes, come on. <laughs> and he just took us around in, and I went right back in, man. Nice. And, but that... That was like the highlight of my teen years. Was like, I bet. oh my god, fuck yeah! But man, he was like an inspiration. All I want to do is play horn like that, dude. Well, so let's let's do that. You, I, I knew you through high school. Yep. What happened after high school? What do you Ooh. go to school? Do you? What's no. The, what's the plan? Oh, what happens? So, in 1999, I started. Like, I was going to back to Los Angeles to visit my friends every summer, right? Oh, okay. So that's where I like, I dabbled in the rave scene here. Yeah. And went out there and was just like, yay, L.A. parties, this is cool. So, like, in in 99 that year, or 98, 99, whatever, I kind of, like, in, in just really went into it. Yeah. And, well, schoolwork, suffered, yeah. you know. <laughs> so the second half of my senior year, Clark's, uh, you know, the principals and stuff, I can't remember what that female principal's name was. Maher. Maher. <laughs> Yeah, she called me down into the office, and she's like, you're doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> and I was. I was doing absolutely nothing. I had dropped out of OTC. Yeah. You know, I was doing cooking there. I had ambitions to be a pastry chef. Okay. <laughs> but I picked up playing around on my computer doing some music and stuff, and that was, like, that was cooler. Yeah. Uh, so they kicked me out. Second oh, half. did they? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, they kicked me out. They said, either get a C, get a C. Okay, so they didn't kick me out. It was a mutual breaking up. Okay. They said, get a C or get out. And I said, <sighs> so I just stopped going. Fair enough. I went back, though. I went, I went, I tried to go to Renaissance, you know, oh, yeah, drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and we'll get to where that's where I met my wife. Okay. Um, but I went there for a half year, same scenario. That then I was eighteen, so I was doing even more partying. Yeah. Same scenario. Half a year there, they were like, "Get out." <laughs> um, so pretty much, 
I did really nothing after yeah. high school. Work jobs. Did you it, stick around in this area? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I stayed, uh, I lived, you know, with some friends out in Albert Hills for a little bit. Um, me and my wife ended up, my girlfriend at the time, we ended yeah. up moving together in like 2001. So, so did you meet her when you were 18? And you go I, to... I met her when I was some? 15. Oh, okay. We didn't like each other in high school because <laughs> she was the hood rats, you know, she was uh-huh. a hood rat. As I like to call her back then, and I was a freak. You remember how we dressed, man? Yes, very much. And I have how, pictures of me, I think, at one point wearing eyeliner. I wore nail polish, eyeliner, lipstick, kilts. I, wore <laughs> I remember kilts. I, I just wore, got a flash of that. I wore kilts. I wore all kinds of messed up stuff. But at that time, she was hanging out with the folks who listened to the rap music, uh-huh. the hippity hop. So when, when do you guys start dating? Is this an on and off thing? Uh, when I went to Strive. Okay, so you're yeah. like when you're 18. Yep. Okay. I was 18. She was 17. Were you guys dating until you're married? Yeah. I mean, I only had some little, <laughs> little uh, off and ons, you know. Yeah. As young people do. Been but there. essentially, on October 27th of, well, this Sunday. Yeah. Past Sunday. Yeah. That was 20 years of me going. Will you go out with me? Nice. Yeah, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. So what, uh, lost my spot. Oh, we were talking about uh, me after high school. <laughs> yeah. And the nothing I was really doing except going to raves and partying. Tell me about that scene. Cause that's something I never took up. And I so, know like so many people I knew went in that direction. Fun fact. <laughs> most of the people I would, and I, I could say most and confidently say most of the people that were in our ska and punk scene, I found in the rave scene. Yeah. And that was like one of the reasons I kind of didn't, I didn't really want people knowing I raved in high school because I was like, they're going to think I'm some kind of druggie. I mean, I kind of am, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but I don't really want them to know. Yeah. And then finally, you know, in senior year and after that, I was like, everybody I know is down here already. Screw that. But a lot of the people in the ska scene were already in the rave scene. Yeah. So I already had, I already had friends down there doing that. It's, it's a good thing, man. So, I mean, this is. Like I said, never, never anything that I I took up. But from what I remember, people go down. It's like very traditional abandoned buildings that people were back throwing in the day. parties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the thing back in the day. Um, warehouses, bus garages, yeah. old theaters. Didn't they do stuff at the old train station sometimes too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 big one, right? Yeah. No. 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 Okay. Not the big train station. Too much of a landmark. No, I'm thinking something else. Okay, dude, I feel like if you put bass in there, that place would fall down. But who knows, man? You might find some raver might chime in on this and be like, yeah, I party there, dude. <laughs> I never did, but there's the Packard. We used to party in the Packard plant, like yeah. blowing asbestos out of your face. It's, it's wonderful. Great. It's great. It's a good scene, man. It was it was a good community. I mean, like it, having people that I already knew there yeah. was like already pretty awesome. Um, it was a welcoming scene, and the music was just phenomenal. Techno is just... Fun. I can't get enough, man. <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> uh, when, when do you get married? Uh, t- 11 years ago. <laughs> so you guys are together for almost 10 years before you get married? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Um, let's see. My son was born in... We got married in 2007. Okay. Yeah, 2007. And so then you have a son. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was two when we got married. Okay. Tell me about that. Tell me, like, your mid-20s and, or mid-late-20s, you're into the, you're doing the rave scene. I'm just, dude, I was just basically partying and working dead-end jobs. And then you... Jenny was dealing with me. <laughs> You know, she's great. She put up with a lot. And then she gets (laughs) pregnant. And then I straightened out quite a bit, man. You know, work landscape jobs. Yeah. Started out whipping, you know, for a guy. Ended up working, running the whole damn company. Yeah, I'm kind of ambitious if I put my mind to it. Something you want to do, you... Yeah. I mean, well, I had a kid, man, so it's like... Well, so that's what I uh, want to kind of find out about and talk about is, like, what's that mind shift like? Like, what kind of stuff did you have to overcome and kind of change your mindset about 
once you were like, oh shit, now I have a kid. <laughs> it was pretty much my whole lifestyle, you yeah. know, like all I cared about was going to the party, having people over my house at the time, you know, cause we were, me and, me and Jenny were in our twenties, dude, you know, it was, yeah. what, you know, we were new, I, well, Griffin was born, she got pregnant when I was 23 and she was 22. So we were still like in the, let's have people over and get fucked up. Woo! And yeah. then it's like, Burr! um, we adjusted pretty well. I mean, I, I wanted to be a dad so bad. It like kills me. Okay. So, uh, I was expecting to have like, I was like a six kid kind of guy, you know, I was like, let's do that. Where did that come from? I'm half black and half Persian. <laughs> like <laughs> you only have both, one brother. <laughs> both of my, like both of my families, my, my dad and my mom both have crazy Huge amounts families. of brothers and sisters, you know? Yeah. My cousins all have multiple kids on both sides of the family. So even though you only have one brother, you grew up around a bunch of kids. I grew up in a big family, yeah. 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 Like, I mean, dozens of first cousins, yeah. dude. Has that translated, like, when you had your kid then, you were, did you kind of know, I have a support system already because my family's going to be all over this? Oh, yeah, my mom was, yeah. my mom and dad were smothering, like, <laughs> when I had Griffin, man, so... Um, but it wasn't hard for me to turn it off, to be honest with you, dude. Like, I jumped in head over heels easily. All right, yeah. less going to parties, stacking some cash, yeah. less doing this. I mean, I was straight straight away into changing diapers. Jenny had a C-section, and I changed the first diapers. I did it all first. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> but uh, quit smoking cigarettes, like, whole nine yards. I started smoking cigarettes when I was 18 years old yeah. on my 18th birthday. Same. And I quit when Griffin was born miss cigarettes so bad yeah it's nothing to miss dude no i no i know i still i know cigarettes are the one thing like if they were like hey turns out we were wrong and they're actually not bad for you at all i'd be like fuck yeah i would be the first person at the store i I loved them smoked pack a day for like eight years oh my lord dude even when i smoked cigarettes i was like four or five a day oh yeah no i dove in because I started smoking when I was drinking, and I would buy them for people before I started smoking, because everyone at the gas station and stuff thought I was older mm. when I'd go in there. So I'd buy them for other people, like my friends at parties, and then they'd be in my glove box, and then I'd be driving around and be like, oh, I'm going to fuck smoke cigarettes. <laughs> and then uh, then I was a smoker within that's no time I, at all. That's how I, I started smoking. That I went to go buy a pack of cigarettes for somebody on my 18th birthday. Yeah. It was Matt, I think it was Matt Jenneru. I went and bought him a pack. Of, it was Matt Jenneru. If he hears this, Matt, it was your fault I started smoking cigarettes Fuck at 18. Matt. I went to, up to the Hop-In, which is at the corner of, which is the old party store that was at the corner of Dixie and Davisburg. Yes. Yep. The Hop-In. I know that party store. Yes. I used to hang out with my friend that lived right by there. <laughs> I went to the Hop-In, grabbed him a pack of Newports, went back to Pete's house, handed him a smokes, went to walk away, started getting drunk. He walked up to me and went, dude, you want a cigarette? Treaty birthday. Smoked that bad boy. I was like, this is heaven. <laughs> Drunkingly drove back to Hoppin and grabbed my own pack of cigarettes. And that was the end of that. Need another one of those, sir. Thank you. Sir, please. One more <laughs> out of my own money this time. Thank you. That's funny. But I quit when Griffin was born and yeah. I'm good with that. That's awesome. So what else? Uh, I mean, that. how old is he now? He's 14. Yeah, so what's going on the next 14 years you have a, you have a kid and uh, oh uh work just trying to maintain build a life man you know yeah um let's see i did landscape work jenny's worked at devon title forever so she's had a really good job taking she's a great job she's a, a bookkeeper over there so we just raised the kid and built a life you know yeah. we went from living in a trailer to we bought our house in clarkston to Time flies to we're here now. Yeah, I guess. Time is a son of a bitch. Time is a bastard, man. <laughs> Wish I had the speed force sometimes, you know. Yeah. You just jump in and be like, ah, I'll do this over again. <laughs> Would you do anything over again? No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm, I wouldn't get fat. I'd oh. find some way not to like get this. Yeah, I don't. I think I was destined for that from the beginning. <laughs> nice, nice, comfy ring. Um, I think about that doing stuff over because, I mean, I've made a shit ton of terrible decisions in my life. Uh, a lot of them were in like the two year period I lived in LA. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, LA, I know all about that place, man. Bad news, twenty one to twenty three. I think bad time. <laughs> That's a LA will swallow you up time. Yeah. 
and they did sorry la swallows uh no it was i mean I, i had a blast but it was like debauchery um all my life events, I'll take. They yeah. all shaped this dude, so <laughs> even the bad ones, I'll take them. It's fine. What are... Um, well, you said earlier, so your dad passed. Yeah. When did he pass? Six years ago. Okay. Uh, two, 2013? Six okay. years ago? Yeah. 19. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Almost seven. Almost um, seven. What happened there? Leukemia. Oh, that sucks. Well, so... He didn't tell us he had leukemia. I had no idea until oh. like a month before he died or something like wow. that, that he had leukemia. Did your mom know? Nope. They were divorced. Okay. When so. did, well, hold on. When did they get divorced? Uh, when I was 19. Oh, okay. So you're out of high school. Yeah. 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 There was, they got divorced when I was like 19, something like that. My dad was, my dad cheated on my mother. Oh. Yeah. Well, some people are greedy. Nothing you can do about it. Fair enough. Um, but he he got sick, you know, and didn't tell us. And he, he I think he knew longer than he told us because we have uh, a, a blood disorder called thalassemia in our family. It's okay. Mediterranean. It's called Mediterranean blood disease. Like huh. my, my aunts have it. Apparently, if you look it up, you can. It's people that are from like North Africa and the Middle East are prone to it. It's a genetic thing. It's kind of like sickle cell. Okay. Um, Two of my aunts have it. I have it. Um, And my dad's kept telling us he had it. So I was like, oh, that's why you're getting blood transfusions and all this stuff. Uh Uh-uh, man. He had leukemia. He didn't tell nobody. That's crazy. Um, So he ended up getting chemo, and the chemo weakened his immune system, and he got a fungal and fungal pneumonia in his lungs and that's what actually took him out and that's when he was he was living in uh, Karlsruhe Germany oh wow so he when your parents divorced did he was he like peace out no he stayed here for a while him and his um, girlfriend wife lived in Dryden for a while and then he moved my dad like I see he kept like rising up in company so after General Motors he went to work to a, with to AW or Ison, okay, which is a transmission navigation Japanese transmission navigation company. Okay, that moved him to Brussels, Belgium. Oh, um, then from there he worked at Harman, JBL. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh okay. Yep. I wish I had his card on me because he ended up being their vice president when he died. So wow, that was he was he was he was a climber man. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So he was living in Karlsruhe, Germany when he passed away. And that was pretty, pretty fucked up. I'm not going to lie. Well, man. yeah. I mean, that's gotta be, cause I, I'm six years. I'm assuming you were not in Germany when that happened. No, no, I was here. So what does, I mean, what does that look like? You just do everything. I'm guessing what phone call and, and oh, so Skypes or no, no, just phone call. My dad was super, like super weird about stuff. He was, you know, we had phone calls where he talked to us and stuff like that. He wouldn't, he was cryptic. You know, he wouldn't like tell us stuff was going on. Yeah. So one of the biggest, I'll tell you right, dude, one of the biggest regrets I have is the Christmas, he died in Feb, on February 22nd of 2013. So the Christmas before that, he went to the hospital or had something going on and he wanted me and my wife and my son to come to Germany for Christmas. He's like, you guys come out here, come to, come, come on out here. Um, you know, we'll do Christmas together and, you know, me and my wife are, kicking the idea around but in the end she was like no i can't do that to my dad and you know all this stuff and we decided not to go but like that's like a regret i have because i'm pretty sure he knew something was was he's trying to get us to come out there because like right after that he went to the coma like a week or two later and then i never that's crazy yeah it was rough so his wife told us what was going on we went out there stayed out there for a while i went out there so you did eventually get to go out there, but oh, I went. We used to, we went out there a bunch. You oh, know? Okay. We used to travel quite like every year, once or twice a year. My dad would fly us out there. And meet did him. you see him between Christmas and when he passed? No. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I went out there while he was in a coma. Okay. So I sat. I was yeah. out there for a week, a week, maybe two. So you weeks. had to like uh, kind of say your goodbyes at least. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. getting coherent. He didn't know. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm for yourself, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, he passed away, and then we had to take his body to be buried in Iran. And uh, I took my whole family with me. Jenny and Griffin went. Griffin had been to Iran already once. Jenny's never been. So she went. My mom came. So it was like a big <laughs> happy troop. My dad's ex-wife, my dad's current wife, my brother didn't go, my wife, my son, you know, we all yeah. hopped on a plane and went to Germany with my dad's body. What'd your, your brother didn't go? No, he was just wrecked, man. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I don't know if you ever watched an Islamic funeral. Whoa. <laughs> go, what, elaborate. Because <laughs> no, I have not. Man, it was like... It was crazy. It was from the moment we landed in Iran, it was just like, he has to get in the ground. They don't like, they have to have him in the ground, like, I guess, 24 hours, sorry, yeah. 24 hours after death, which my dad had been dead for a couple of days already. Yeah. So we landed in Tehran, an ambulance picked up my dad's body, a bus picked us up, we drove, it's a six-hour drive from Tehran to my house, to where my family lives. So we drove that drive, get to my aunt's house. My whole family is there, and, like, have you ever seen, like, Middle Eastern people or Islamic people, you know, on a movie or something? Yeah, I've, yeah, it's, I've it's seen. It's, like, really, like, hardcore look, you know, and, like, when you're there, you're like, whoa. Like, on a movie or stuff. I'm just, I, you <laughs> know. shelter do you think I am? I'm just saying, man. Yeah. It's, it's It's not something you see all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, like, but unless you're watching a documentary and see a funeral, it's, it's yeah. like, really intense. So we got there. Now, mind you, Jenny has never been to Iran before, and I married the whitest of white girls, you know what I mean, man? <laughs> so so I took her to, like, culture shock for a funeral. Yeah. Woo! She's got to cover her head up, you know. Yeah. She's jet-lagged, whole nine yards. My aunt and my whole family are, like, at her already. I think we were in the house for, like, an hour, and then, like, a huge, huge uproar. My dad's body was there, and uh, they had me change my clothes. I wore black. Jenny put on her scarf, and then, dude, we did the whole walk down the road, you know, chanting, and it's really intense. You get to the, you get to the grave site, and there's no coffin, so keep that in mind. There's no coffin. So just carrying your dad. It was he's in a wood. He's wrapped in death shroud. Yeah. So again, how many Americans would be like, yeah, my dad's wrapped in death shroud. Yeah. Typical. Typical. No. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> He's wrapped in white cloth, you know, carrying him around in this, like, wooden crate looking. It's really nice, you know, carrying yeah. him around in it. So they take him from the ambulance, they take him to the ground. And then traditionally in, you know, the United States, at funerals we've all been to, you're like, okay, the body is going to be inside of a box, inside of the ground, inside yeah. of a Sorry, concrete chute, yeah. you know. <laughs> there, it's, and that's what, six feet right here? Yeah. Uh, over in Iran... It was like two, two feet, <laughs> two feet dirt. The body is just laid in the dirt. The face touches the the ground like that's like a trip, dude. Yeah. So then, like they and it's they cap them right there. Pow, pow, pow. Start pouring concrete on it while you're looking, you know. Oh, they pour concrete. On oh it? my god, dude! It's they cap it. They cap the body. Then they pour the concrete on top of the the caps. Just huh. And then on top of that, that's um, got to be a lot more emotional than your standard like American <laughs> funeral, bro. <laughs> that's crazy. It's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, that's it's well, it's you know it's it's super emotional. Yeah. So that was the first, and mind you, this is the first time my wife yeah. has ever been here. <laughs> you know, so that happens, and then they they do mornings for different days, right? Mm-hmm. So. You put him in the ground. Three days later, the whole family gets together, and there's like a, a morning ceremony where somebody comes and talks over a microphone, and people just cry and cry and cry. It's heavy, dude. It's really heavy. That happens on day one, three, seven, and 40. Wow. Yeah. So how long did you stay there? 11 days. Okay. 11 days. It was pretty. Yeah. It was couldn't couldn't make it till forty. <laughs> I mean, if I, I would have, if I could have, I would have. Yeah. If I could have stayed, I would have. Yeah, but with work and that's all that wild. stuff. Um, 
Yeah, we try to make it as normal for Jenny as possible because we wanted her to. My, my family's really cool about stuff. You know, they they're like, man, it sucks that this is why she's here. Yeah. So they did everything they could to uh, make her comfortable and you know get get her shopping, some of the experience yeah. and stuff like that. But yeah, that's the old man passing. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty intense. Yeah, that, that's heavy. I was going to Iran every year to visit him and stuff, or visit his grave and family until three years ago. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's an expensive trip to the. It's not. It's actually there. not as bad as you think. It's not. I mean, it's bad. It's, <laughs> it's bad. You know, you're, you're looking at you know around a grand for a ticket. You know, yeah. That's that's round trip. So. But, that's uh, like a weird. I'm I'm slightly thankful that my dad was cremated because there's no guilt in me of like flying to Florida to go to the right. gravesite and. No, uh, um, it's. I mean, to get there, it's basically, you can't fly directly from United States to there. So. Yeah. Well, you said six hour from. Drive, so what right? I do is I fly from here to Germany, from Germany to there. Jeez. And that takes, you, there's always a layover in Germany, so it's like 20 hours, 24 Raking hours. in those sky miles, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. Jeez. So, I mean, that's, I think a lot of stuff answers this already, but yeah. <laughs> Throughout your life, I mean, what what would be, it's kind of something I try to always touch on with everybody is, what are some of the, a couple of bigger things that you've had to overcome and either learn from or just get past, essentially? I mean, Griffin is the biggest and most monumentous thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And when I, right before I had him, you know, if it wasn't for him and Jenny, I would like, It'd probably be one of those, like, Facebook stories of, like, an OD or something. I, I ain't bullshitting, man. I was yeah. partying. I partied hard. Yeah. And I didn't really care. But they snapped me, you know. I wasn't, like, doing heroin or nothing. Like, nothing like yeah, that, yeah. you know. I wasn't doing hard, stupid drugs. I was just, like, I was just going really hard. <laughs> I stayed up for days. Um, but th- he, he snapped me, like, into wanting to be a grown-up. You know, as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, shit, I want to be a man now. Like, let's get a good, let's get a decent job. Let's, let's do the house. Let's, um, let's do that whole thing. Um, and the second most profound thing that's happened to me is gastroparesis. It's a stomach disorder. Okay. Uh, I got diabetes, right? Because again, that's why I said I want, it's probably the only one thing I go back and change would be like yourself up. But uh, when were you diagnosed diabetes? Uh, 2011, something like that, something like that. Is it? Um, uh, it's type type two, man. I'm actually controlled, dude. I've I've lost a lot of freaking weight. Um, and uh, but because of that, I had pancreatitis, and that led to a gallbladder surgery that nice. led to potential, um. Either the surgery or the diabetes caused the gastroparesis, because gastroparesis is your your vagus nerve is damaged. So essentially, my stomach only work my stomach only works at forty seven percent capacity as a normal wow. person. It sucks. But like, dude, I got really down from that because you read the stories about people who are all tube fed, and uh, dude, I was really I had a really it was a really dark time for me for about like pretty close to a year. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know what it was, man. I did a little bit of therapy and, uh, dude, now I just, I just want to live. Yeah. Now, like I got, I got no filter, no nothing. I just live now. I just, what does that entail? Like, what do you have to do to manage that? Eat, just eat like, eat like, eat a, yeah. eat like a five-year-old essentially. Okay. <laughs> um, I can't eat, I, I don't eat pork. I don't eat beef. Yeah. It's like really no raw vegetables, no raw fruits, no, raw. Oh, no nuts, nothing really fibrous. No raw vegetables. No, dude. It's, yeah. Dude, you know, how I haven't like sat back and crunched broccoli in like four years. It's killing me. I mean, a lot of people would be very happy about that. <laughs> a lot of people would be, you know. I can't eat steak, right? So yeah. everybody's always like, dude, I couldn't, I couldn't live. I couldn't eat beef. And I'm like, I'll tell you what. I haven't eaten beef in like five years, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I mean, I've had a nibble here and there to taste yeah. it, but I haven't like sat down and indulged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you put a beautiful steak and 
a simple green house salad with ranch dressing on it next to it with some vegetables, yeah. I would eat the salad. Yeah. I, I want vegetables. That's funny. That's, it is. So that's is that your, your biggest miss food wise? Yeah, man. I'm, I come from a food culture, so this is yeah, kind of sure. like, this is like two food cultures. I'm half black. <sighs> All the Southern food. Oh, yeah, and Southern I, Baptist, too, you probably had. Bro, oh, my God, the food I grew up with is crazy. And Can't then imagine. My mom learned how to cook Persian food growing up, so I had all the things my dad needed to be happy growing yeah. up. So I gave up a lot of those things for this. Jeez. Well, but, I mean, you had to. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I don't know, man, gastroparesis, like, this whole being sick thing, knowing I'm chronically ill, like, any, the way I live my life now is that, Anytime this disease wants to, it could like take me down. I could, yeah. you know, be bedridden. I could not eat food regularly. I, I eat pretty decently now. Yeah. So I just kind of live like, you know, that every day is, you know, could be that day, dude, I guess is the easiest way to put it. Yeah. I, that's why I do jujitsu. I'm not getting any yeah, younger. How'd you get into jujitsu? Gastroparesis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not getting any younger. Yeah. And I you do. Got I, your son into it? Yeah, yeah. 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 He, uh, I wrestled for a little bit in high school and middle school, right? Okay. So I had a little bit of base there. And I am a prof- I was a profound UFC t- shit talker, though. I'm like, this is garbage, bro. I used to talk so much crap. I'm also like the super pacifist of the group. I, I would not fight. I'd be like, dude, come on. You know, I'm that guy. I'm- yeah. And then because of the disorder, dude, and I just want to live life, I was like, I always want to learn a martial art. There's yeah. a school right up by my house. All right. So I went up there and holy addiction good for you man i'd love to learn something like that and then i'm just i'm just like come, eh, come. seven a, day free trial baby i would feel combat base clarkston the awkwardness of me walking in there is equal with me like walking into a yoga studio and being like i would like to do yoga like because i would like to do yoga but i would have to like get a friend of mine that teaches it to be like can you give me like private lessons for a while because i don't want to like Dude. sit in a class and do this you know what i was i was right there with you you know and jiu-jitsu is a crazy community crazy family community these people once you get together or come to a school and people come together they are there to nurture and love you through this process the i've built such a great family at this school it is insane that's one of the like great allures to it too that's cool Um, there's no judging like if you come come go in there cocky you know if you want to be one of those types go in there cocky there's always somebody who's going to make you tap out well and that's a i imagine there's a maybe i don't know this but like like other martial arts is there like a lot of discipline involved like are there outside of the physicality of it is there a lot of like background mindset changing and Uh, i guess i mean (laughs) you know it's it's everybody who talks to me since i've started i started jujitsu um at combat base back in november of 2018 okay so I'm, i'm coming up to my year okay um Every, I'm mean, not everybody, but most people I talk to that, that knew me before I started and now say I'm different. Okay. Um, so even, whether you recognize it or not, other people see like something. Yeah. Changed. Yeah. I mean, I, I see like small differences. I'm way more clear headed about stuff. I, 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 I let things like run under the bridge more now, you yeah. know, like things I would get excited about. Um, just you have a better self-awareness of yourself okay is that a good way to put it (laughs) better self-awareness of yourself something like that you just you know when you walk into it it it, it puts you in a position to where i could be somewhere before with my family and go all right man that guy could kick the shit out of me man like (laughs) that guy really wanted to take something from me he really could right now you know or if he wanted to hurt my family he probably could hurt me first i you go into a, a room now and you're way more comfortable with that kind of stuff. You're like, yeah. okay, well, if he did come at me, I could do this. You know, I could get my family away. It changed how fast I think, I guess, is yeah. another thing. Um, I don't get, ex- like, how, how do I, how do I, it's so hard to explain. It's Well, it, it's funny because everybody, and they joke about this on TV shows and stuff all the time, but. Every, every guy thinks, like, if, if put in the right position, they all of a sudden will just know martial arts, right? Like, oh, Negative. if someone comes at me, I'm going to get them. And no, of course. Of course they don't. No. But uh, do you feel like now, like, you kind of do? 
now I just feel comfortable. I feel like I could I could actually defend myself. Yeah. Like if something actually happened, if somebody grabbed me or grabbed at my family, I feel like I'm better adjusted being able to be grab them and take them away from my family or yeah. you know, hold them down or something like that. It's jujitsu is so good for you. It's ridiculous, man. I it's it's meditative in ways, it's humbling in every way possible. And I had no, I dude, I tell you, dude, I have no idea I was gonna get this addicted. To. I had no idea at 38 years old. I'd be like, dude, yeah, I'm about to go to jujitsu competition and win some gold, you know, or try to win some gold, man. I'm like, 38 year old Brian was not supposed to do that. <laughs> That's cool though. I got my kid into it. Yeah. Um, he likes it. I think he's a 14 year old, so it's really kind of hard to get actual emotions <laughs> out of him, you know, yeah. actual. But uh. It's, it's a, it's, I'm never going to stop. That's cool. Um, it's something I can't, I can't stop. I don't know why. Like, I feel, I feel like I, you know, you could at some point, but I started this journey and it's something I want to keep going to, you know, I'm, I'm a four stripe white belt right now, which isn't, it's nothing. Okay. Next is blue belt. That's like, they say the journey gets, journey starts up there a bit more because you're, you're you're higher belt, I guess, you know, but you're learning more and then purple, brown, black, and. You know, they, black belt isn't something that I could get until I'm like, what, 40 something. But I swear to you, I'm like committed to doing it. As long as That's this cool. disorder doesn't take me down, yeah. I'm not going to stop. So are you just, is that, going back to that, is that just managed through diet, essentially? Diet and medication I get from Canada. Okay. Yeah, I have a, I have an autoimmune disease. Okay. Um, Which that. No known cause or cure, so I just uh, yeah. when it. So I'm in the same boat you are. Yeah, when it gets bad, I take medication, and then when it's stable, I don't. <laughs> so, yay! I take, I take a daily medication uh, I get from Canada. It, it's a motility. I think that's the word. It makes okay. my stomach digest better. Okay. So I can have some normalcy. Yeah. Um, but it's it's called Domperidone. It's not made here anymore, okay. so I have to go to Canada, Canada to get it. It's funny too, because uh, I was about to say America, but like the more you mention like Persian cuisine, and then I thought about everywhere, everywhere else in the world, like food is such a staple of thing. But you know, like Dude, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, because I was reading some stuff that was talking about, um, but like if you, if obesity is an issue, a lot of times you one way to curb that is not like fix it completely, but like curb it is stop to stop creating food like as a reward system like that breakfast doesn't need to be the best meal in the world it can just be like something easy that's good for you (laughs) like uh uh, and having that mentality can change the amount you eat the stuff you eat instead of trying to make like every meal you eat like the best fucking meal in the world that's how we are Um, here man i know well so that's 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 exactly how americans are it's like breakfast all right we could have like (laughs) some fruit and a little toast here maybe some no we're like Four egg omelet, bacon, sausage, ham, gravy <laughs> yeah. on top of that. Stick some hash browns in that. I want some jalapenos, <laughs> and then bake it all with cheese on top. But uh, no toast. I have to eat lunch in a couple of hours. Yeah, no toast, though, man. <laughs> Had that with a diet coke. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> That's uh, me too. I drive. I'm that diet coke guy. <laughs> no comments. Um. Yeah, that's wild. But that it that it really is. It's a it feels like a huge culture thing, and I imagine half of managing that is a mentality change of, of how you view some of that. Oh man, it's I, I want to eat so many things I grew up on. You know, I have staple foods that I would be like. Yeah, at this age, you learn that you shouldn't do that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, I say that, and I just had pizza rolls for dinner because I had to make something quickly. <laughs> oh, that you know what? Th- those things I don't miss at all. Yeah, the, I, ju- the junky crap. Food. No, no, I you know, but I eat enough chicken strips and ch- and like chicken nuggets because <laughs> those things can digest well. Yeah. So that's like, like that's why I was saying earlier I eat like a six year old because yeah. like a lot of times you just see me I have like we we'll go out to a restaurant I have like maybe some fish and chips or like some chicken strips and yeah. some fries or something like that. Like a light chicken breast and some rice. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's great. Get excited about yeah. it. How do you know what, dude? I've managed. I I can still eat fried chicken, so I can eat my mom's fried chicken. Nice. I can still eat greens if they're cooked. And I mean yeah. cooked, cooked, cooked. Yeah. 
So I guess I still have some some staples. On the Persian end of things, I eat a ton of rice still already. Yeah. It's pretty much the only thing. It digests well. So I can eat rice. I've shifted to like eating beefs and lambs to, you know, chicken, yeah. stuff like that. So there's I can still eat kebab, you know. I can still do some some things Persian. I can dance around. You know, I can keep yeah. myself satisfied. I haven't been there uh, since Trump came in office. Ugh. I'm not really wanting to go there right now, yeah, no, you know? I'm it's, not going to. I, would, I want to go there. I was thinking about going in in December this year. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm just going to man up. I'm just going to go. She can't stop me. Yeah. And then, like, I hear he's trying to move troops into Iraq. And I'm like, hey, you know what? <laughs> yeah, it might be a good time to my stay hold off. there for a while. <laughs> my, my hold off for uh, another year and see, see how the climate goes. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, dude, I'd probably be safe. Nothing would probably happen. Yeah. I could probably go and come home. But, like, I don't want to worry my mom and Jenny. Yeah. Like, well, like, could you imagine the moment I got there? Next thing you're going to see on the news, Trump's fighting with Iran this week. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm scared to go there because of, like, the food thing, you know? Oh, the, yeah. People are, um, aunts, my aunts, my ames are, like, if you don't eat their food, it's kind of like an insult. Yeah. So I'm scared to go there, and they're, like, making all these... I'll show you some pictures or something, man, or some of the spreads that they put out, and you're just like... It's it's, breath, it's, it's breathtaking stuff. And you're just like, yeah, um, I have this little tiny piece of chicken over here, and yeah. uh, maybe this scoop of rice. I did, and I was, like, starting up the gastroparesis stuff, like, getting hard into it the last time I went. So I was going around already... So literally just having chicken and rice. Oh, man, I was having yeah. chicken and rice everywhere I went, and, like, my one Aunt Seema lost her shit, dude. She, why doesn't he want my food i'm like i can't eat it please like, i don't care about your health just eat my food oh i dude i i scarfed down i she started like crying a little bit and i was like um okay <laughs> oh jeez. crushing down some lamb praying just like please i don't want to go to the hospital here again i don't want to do that again i ended up um when i first discovered like i was sick and stuff yeah i was in iran so i ended up in a hospital there for six days in their healthcare system. Woo. How is Iran's healthcare system? Just like ours. Okay. <laughs> All right. Except people want to talk and touch you because you're an American. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to stick you with this needle just because you're an American. Ha ha, I worked on American today. Dude, just get the needle in my arm, bro. <laughs> they have everything we have. Doctors are the same. Yeah. All the machines are the same. Yeah. Care is the same. Cleanliness of the hospital was kind of like off. Like, it's not that it was dirty, but, like, when you look up at our hospitals, you know, we keep things cosmetically nice. Yeah. You know, so there's no, like, cracks in the paint or anything like that. You know, they have concrete walls there, so when a wall cracks, the wall, you know, the paint, it's it's cracked. Wall cracks, wall cracks. Wall cracks. (laughs) So that kind of stuff is around there, you know, that's, like, the cosmetics of the whole thing will kind of throw you off, but care-wise, yeah, dude, I, most of it was free, too. Unlike ours. I'm a, I'm a citizen of both. I'm a dual. Okay. So according to the way it was described to me was, oh, they just view you as a poor citizen because you don't have any income. So your health care is free. I'm like, what? Sweet. Cool. So I was in a public hospital there for two days. MRIs, t- tests, everything. Yeah. No charge whatsoever. That's awesome. Then my aunt decided to move me to a private hospital in the capital of Gilan, which is a state um, rashed. It was a private hospital there. So I was there for four days. Same thing. You know, test, whole nine yards, endoscopies, all kinds of stuff. So I asked my ame, which is aunt. Ame's aunt. I asked my ame what the, uh, I was like, well, I do have a bank account here, so make sure you take my money and, you know, just pay for my stuff. She's like, it's taken care of. I go, oh. Well, six days in a hospital. Oh my God! I'm like, I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm from the American yeah, sense. Yeah. I'm going, oh I my, I owe you two thousand dollars at I'm least. I'm like, what is this? Like four thousand, three thousand. Yeah. She goes, she talks to my cousin's husband, speaks better English, you know. He goes, mm, eight hundred dollars. I go, what? Wow. He goes, yeah, it was only like that because we put you in a private hospital. If you would have just stayed in the other hospital, there would have been no charges. But your aunt wanted the best for you. Yeah, so 200 bucks a day in a nicer hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, full care, man. I was taken care of, dude. That's awesome. But it was still like, you don't want to be in a hospital 
like with Jenny was here, you know, when I was going through all yeah. that. So like, you can imagine, like imagine you being across the world, yeah. your wife not being able to get to you, yeah. and you're like, well, you know, they're talking about taking out some organs, you know, having <laughs> gallbladder surgery while I'm here. Apparently, I have extra organs. They're just getting take over. My cousins. One of my cousins that spoke English is talking to Jenny on the phone, you know, saying things like, you know, he's going to get surgery here, so he might be here for longer. And I was already there for, you know, three weeks type yeah. stuff. And I'm like, um, I'm going home. Well, uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover? I mean, I think. That's pretty much my life, dude. I had all my questions, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it, man. Uh, the only thing I'm doing now is techno stuff. I guess that's the one thing we didn't cover. Yeah, let's uh, talk, plug it, do it. Do it up, Techno Snob. Well, it was a, uh, it's 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 my brand. I started a clothing brand, on a joke. It was a joke. I don't. You know who Matt Lane is? Remember Matt Lane? Uh, Nicole Lane. Yes, brother. Her older brother. Yes, I actually work with her right now. Still, oh, we fine. work at the same company. And Matt, he's the. Uh, I'm a supervisor at one branch. Matt is a supervisor at another branch, and his sister is a general manager at another. Me and him. When I started working working with him at Natural Way, like. You know, I was so snobby about my techno love, you know, like the stuff I listened to, I listened to minimal techno and I was, a, I was, a, I was a dick about it. Like nothing was good unless it was that. And they're all getting into like the other stuff, like dubsteps and shit. So finally one day they all cornered me and were like, dude, you're nothing but a freaking techno snob. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you. I am. I'll put that shit on a shirt. And I did. <laughs> Here we are seven years later. I got a, um. We're running our podcast, uh, the Techno Snobcast. We're doing Detroit artists, national artists, international artists. Um, just doing, just bring a techno man and selling t-shirts. Just talk about the the artist and then play their. Basically, music. I mean, yeah. I give them a little description of who they are and stuff like that. Yeah. But their music speaks for everything, dude. So no point in me talking over it or interrupting. Just let their set do the work. Nice. So we do that. Um, the store is up, technosnobdetroit.net. We're working on the website, uh, technosnob.com. We'll link everything together. Um, I have a part, two partners, uh, Sarah and Scott. Sarah came on with me three years ago. And then Scott, is uh, he's a DJ, DJ Fix. He came on with us early this year, late last year type thing. Okay. And, uh, dude, we've just, been, we've just been plugging away, man. We just That's awesome. Just want to have the brand go somewhere, bring some music, bring a little bit of the Detroit culture around. Even though none of us live in Detroit, we love that freaking city. I love Detroit, man. I don't know what it is about that place. It just makes it's like a magnet. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, you spent spent some good number of your formative dude, years down there. <laughs> the moment I could like, I could get in a car and somebody could take me to Detroit. I was. I started at fourteen. I was jumping in an older kids' car. Like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Show me what a rave is, and then. As soon as I hit 16, it was like, yeah, I can do it on my own. <laughs> I've never stopped. I mean, I, honestly, I've considered getting an I-75 South tattoo, like of the sign, because yeah. I hit I-75 South so much in my years. That's but uh, I know we're doing that. Hopefully this year is a bigger, 2020 is going to be a bigger year for us. We've got some plans. Um, we started throwing events, showcasing DJs. Nice. Um not necessarily like throwing raves or anything. Yeah, not, yeah. not necessarily yet. <laughs> Maybe someday. Um, but hopefully we'll vend movement festival this year. It's always been a dream. Just been I've been too small, man. I did this whole thing out of tubs. It was kind of a hobby. Now it's like, could I build an empire? Let's <laughs> see if I can build a techno empire. Where can people find it? Um, I mean, Facebook is. We mainly do everything off Facebook right now. Facebook yeah. and Instagram. Just look up techno snob. You'll see our little snobby guy. Yeah, um, I like that guy. Thank you, <laughs> dude. He, you know what, dude? It's he is carrying us like. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I want I, like my goal in life right now for this is to when the conversations come up about the little dudes like the planters peanut dude, the monopoly yeah. guy, and snobby. <laughs> that's what I want. I want those that three. Truly, is empire status. <laughs> that's what I want. I mean, it's yeah. is it so hard to build out a techno? I mean, yes, it is. <laughs> it is. But um. If you want to, you know, check out our merch, the only place you're really going to find that at right now is www.technosnobdetroit.net. That'll take you to the store. Um, Facebook.com, Technosnob Clothes, or, or is it just Technosnob? One of the two. You'll find it. You'll find it. There's a few <laughs> of them, but just, you'll find it. Look for me. 
look for, for snobby man yeah look for snobby man with this snobby top hat <laughs> and his headphones he's just it's cartoony as hell like yeah. i want to do so much with <laughs> okay. him i just i want to make him in little cartoons doing snobby shit <laughs> make him into little memes <laughs> yes dude <laughs> i see that as a little meme <laughs> well thank you absolutely, uh, man. This yeah, is fun. for for sharing everything absolutely thank you for doing this this is cool i like it <laughs> well, i think it's cool man you, you do this thank like you. you know a lot of people right yeah yeah this is cool yeah <laughs> i uh, the world know about your friends and where you grew up and yeah and normal it's, people yeah and people have uh people have stuff to share even people that think they have nothing to share have stuff to share it's pretty impressive uh, hey, somebody's gonna listen to this and giggle about been... my life <laughs> well it's just you know no you know what someone's gonna listen to this and be like oh yeah i have gastroparesis too You'd be surprised. Hey, there's it's a lot at the uh, end of the gastroparesis. That's time, been I guess. the most rewarding part about this whole thing. Uh, you know, uh, is people reach out. That's cool. It's, it's, All right, you just listened to my friend Brian. Uh, we had a great conversation. I loved all that stuff we talked about um, with his dad's funeral and just him kind of becoming a father and realizing he needed to shift his priorities. And then his, uh, disease, his gastroparesis, that is a, what a shitty thing that is. And obviously he's, he's coped with it and made peace with it. And that's how, and filled his life with other things like jujitsu. <laughs> so that's good. But I'm sure if you had any questions on that or wanted any advice for food, you could probably reach out to him. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I love talking to him. Once again, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at friend request pod. And you can follow me on Twitter at friend request JL and keep sending us uh, reviews, questions, comments. I, you guys, seriously, the messages you're sending me, uh, whether it be on Facebook or you're texting me cause I know you or, uh, whatever that looks like. I really appreciate it. It is it is so rewarding to get those messages. Thank you so much. And keep leaving reviews. I'm going to keep reading reviews on here because I think that's that's a fun little feature. Uh, maybe I'll throw it at the end of the episode. Or maybe not. I don't even know if you guys listen to the end of the episode. So I'm just going to keep talking for the next five minutes. Just kidding. It's over. But I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys. You are the best.